Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The book of Proverbs is full of examples contrasting true wisdom built on the fear of the Lord with false wisdom. It also contrasts fleeting and false riches with true enduring riches of righteousness. Nothing can be compared to the true wisdom, for in it we find eternal life. For true wisdom is found in the fear of the Lord and faith in Christ. In our epistle lesson this morning, St. Paul sets before us two contrasting examples so that we might see their respective ends and so follow the good examples while shunning the bad. He begins, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I told you often, and now tell you again, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Here, two ways of walking, of living, are described. One, the way of the enemies of the cross of Christ, and the other, those who follow the example of Paul and walk in the truth. The Philippians are encouraged, encouraged to be joint imitators of Paul, to follow him in his way of life and belief, for those two things cannot be separated. How you believe will influence how you live. The heart and the life are not so easily separated. And so he encourages them to continue in following in his example, especially his example of trusting in Jesus Christ for the righteousness which is received by faith. For only a few verses prior, after listing his achievements and qualifications in regard to his own righteousness according to the law, he says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is from faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Thus he calls them to follow his example of doctrine and life, and to trust not in their own merits or righteousness, but in Christ alone and his righteousness. So that holding true to this teaching and having it firm in the heart, they might also follow in the works and life that Paul demonstrated. As he said similarly to the Corinthians, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. But he does not only call on them to imitate him alone, but he says, note those who so walk as you have for us a pattern. We're not only to imitate Paul, but all that walk in this way, who believe and live according to the gospel. For he recognizes that he is not the only one, but he's one of many who faithfully walk. 
There are even those in the Philippian congregation that they are to mark and to follow in their walk of faith. This fits well with what he says later in the epistle. Brethren, whatever things are true, whatever are noble, whatever are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Yes, wherever this example of faithful walking is found, we ought to note it, meditate upon it, and imitate it. Each and every generation, there are more and more who demonstrate this, and we do well to mark and imitate them in faith and in life, for God has given them to us as examples. Not only Paul, but also the patriarchs and prophets of the Old Testament, the other apostles, the saints and the martyrs of ages past, down to those faithful men and women in our own midst whom we have known and have been found to be faithful witnesses of the gospel of Christ. We have around us a great cloud of witnesses in whom we find examples to follow, following their faith and trust in Christ alone for their salvation, finding their righteousness in him. We see examples of bold confessions of faith, even in the face of danger. We see examples of constant prayer, especially prayer for family members and friends that do not know Christ, that they might come to the knowledge of truth and be saved. There are many examples of good works and how we live out this life of faith in Christ, that we might be encouraged by their examples and follow them in their acts according to our vocations. We have many patterns and examples of repentance, of those who fell but were restored by God's grace so that we might not be discouraged or lose hope or despair when we fall into sin, but rather repenting, we might run quickly to Christ and his mercy, trusting in the forgiveness of sins. These we should note and mark and follow after them in their faith and good works. For, as Paul says in our epistle, many walk, of whom I have told you often and now am telling you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Yes, many walk contrary to what is taught in the scriptures. Many walk not in the paths of righteousness, but in the ways that make them enemies of the cross of Christ. In the context of this letter to the Philippians, Paul is referring to those we now call the Judaizers. Those that taught that in order to follow Christ, one needed to observe all of the law of Moses, and by following that, be justified. They did not teach that we are justified by God's grace through faith in Christ, but rather that we are justified by our own keeping of the law. Thus, they were enemies of the cross of Christ, because they made the cross to be of no effect. They made our Lord's death into a mere example instead of a vicarious satisfaction, which purchased and won us from sin, death, and the power of the devil. Because they did not trust in Christ and in his righteousness, but in their own righteousness, according to their works of the law, they did not have the true righteousness that lasts to eternity, but instead only had a false outward and earthly righteousness. And they certainly looked good. 
They did many good things. They were strict in their observance of the law, but because they trusted in their own righteousness instead of Christ's, their righteousness was earthly rather than heavenly. It was confined to the here and now. It was temporary and fleeting. Their righteousness could not cover their sins nor atone for it. And so while they may have received praise for many in this life, their walk was disordered because Christ was not at the heart of it. They did not walk in this way because of what Christ had done for them. They did not walk as those who had been set free by Christ, but they walked in order to earn for themselves salvation and earthly honor. Today there are still some that teach in this way, whose righteousness is by works rather than faith in Christ, and now, just as then, we must uh, not follow their walk. But today we're more likely to find those who preach a gospel that is serving themselves in one way or another. And as a result of their doctrine and life, they make themselves to be enemies of the cross of Christ. And so they're to be avoided. The first are those that preach a doctrine of present glory, who preach an easy life if only you have enough faith and give them vast offerings in order to prove that faith. This, they say, will result in riches, health, and happiness if your faith is enough, if you've given enough. It's obvious that their God is their belly, and their glory is their shame, and that they have set their mind on earthly things. They build mansions for themselves while their flock suffers, they wear only the finest name-brand clothing and decorate themselves with expensive jewelry and watches. They own and fly private jets. They preach living your best life now and glory and riches, and they'll blame you if you uh, do not have those riches because you lack faith. You don't have what they do. If you are sick, well, you lack faith. They serve the baser instincts and the desires of the flesh and are to be avoided. And there's some that rightly will rebuke them for this, but they too serve their belly, their base instincts, their sinful flesh. For they preach a doctrine that scratches itching ears and is pleasant and fits well with whatever the world or culture is currently in favor of. This teaching in life is also contrary to the cross of Christ for it does not call sinners to repentance if those sins are viewed positively by the culture. Rather, they confirm them in their sins so that they don't receive the true, loving, gracious forgiveness of Christ, but instead receive from these teachers the empty and hollow shell of what they call love. Yes, they even deny the Lord's vicarious satisfaction, saying it offends modern sensibilities, that God's Son would die for us. This results in praise and glory from the world and culture at large for their progressive attitude and because they're not like those other Christians. Many may even flock to them for a time. Yet if sin is called good, there can be no forgiveness of it. And without the preaching of our Lord's death upon the cross for our sins, there's no hope of redemption and resurrection. This is why Paul warned the Philippians often of false teachers. It's why he exhorted them with weeping to stay away from these enemies of the cross of Christ. For the ways that they walk in don't lead to life. 
Their end is not righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. Rather, it is perdition. Many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction. Their mind is set on earthly things. They are concerned with earthly things, earthly righteousness, earthly riches, earthly approval. These concerns are all temporary and passing and fading. Yes, here and now, such men and women might have an excellent righteousness that uh, excels and which results in the respect and admiration of others. They might have great riches and wealth and all the glory and power that goes with it. They might have the praise and acceptance of the culture and find themselves invited to positions of influence. But these things are all passing. They are earthly things, base things. While now they might appear glorious, they are really shameful, for they end up denying the master who bought them, as St. Peter writes. For they glory in themselves and their own righteousness, in their own riches and in their own power, and in their own tolerance and character. But in doing so, they become ashamed of the Lord's free grace by which he justifies us. They are ashamed of our Lord's poverty, humility, and lowliness, and of his teachings and vicarious death. They glory in the wrong things rather than in the cross of Christ and his innocent sufferings and death. Their end, as Paul writes, is destruction, perdition. What they trust in, what they build on, will be torn down on the last day, will be destroyed. What they glory in will be shown to be empty. Yes, with tears and weeping, Paul encourages the Philippians and us to stay away from such and not to follow them in their earthly preoccupations. For, he says, our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies that it will be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things to himself. Our focus should not be on earthly things, but heavenly ones, for our citizenship is in heaven, meaning that while we live here, this is not our true home. We should not be anxious about how others see us, nor about our wealth, nor about our station in this life. We are not natives of this earthly country, but we are aliens, living abroad until the time that we enter the promised land. Here we are pilgrims, and while we live here, we strive to follow the example of Paul and all the saints to live honorably and respectfully, peaceably and quietly, looking out for the needs of our neighbors, carrying out the tasks of our vocations. We do this trusting that God, by his grace, has prepared for us a heavenly home, the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. The early church writing, known as the Epistle to Diognetus, writes well of this, saying, Christians inhabit Greek as well as barbarian cities, according to the lot that each of them has determined, and following the customs of the natives in respect to clothing and food and the rest of their ordinary conduct, they display to us their wonderful and confessedly striking method of life. They dwell in their own countries, but as sojourners. As citizens, they share in all things with others, yet endure all things as foreigners. 
Every foreign land is to them their native country, and every land of their birth is a land of strangers. They marry, as do all others. They beget children, but they do not destroy their offspring. They have a common table, but not a common bed. They are in the flesh, but do not live after the flesh. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws, and at the same time surpass them by their lives. This is because we live here in the hope of the resurrection and life eternal. We trust in the promises of the Lord that we are justified for his sake by faith in him, and that he will return to bring with him full salvation. For here we will and still do struggle with sin. Here we must daily repent. Here we are lowly and must deal with bodies that are subject to sin, to sickness, disease, disorder, and death. But we trust in our Lord, who has promised that when he returns, all things will be put right. We have faith that when he appears, heaven and earth will be as one, and the kingdom of heaven where we hold our citizenship, will be here in its fullness. Following the example of Paul and the saints, we eagerly wait for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. This change will remove from us all shame, all disease, all disorder, all that is broken and wrong. It will bring us to perfection, to goodness, to wholeness, that we may live forever under him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. No matter what has happened in this life, he shall, by the power which he is able to subdue all things to himself, raise up the dead and change the living, that we may be glorious in him. Even if, like Paul, they were beheaded, or like Irenaeus, they were torn to pieces by animals, or like Jan von Essen and Henrik Voss, they were burnt at the stake with their ashes scattered on the sea. Or even if they have long become dust like our first father, Adam, they will be restored and transformed by Christ's mighty power. This is our hope. This is our heavenly goal. This is the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. May God keep us steadfast in this faith with so that with all the saints that have gone before us, we may receive that for which we hope by the merits and mediations of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Bless and preserve you always. Amen.